2: A monster like somebody from Game of Thrones or something. Like we call him uh, Gandalf, because like he's never early or late. He's always <laughs> at the right time.
3: And my job is to never stop. We call us some percentages. I don't really give a damn about it, but percentages, honestly. All I care about is wins. If y'all didn't quite get it, let me say it again. Here to stay.
4: What's up, and welcome to The Uncontested, podcast where we cover the NBA, OKC, Thunder, and pop culture. You can find our episodes on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and at our website, theuncontestedsports.com. I am the Thunder Mob, Jacob. Today I am joined by Kamiar. Uh,
5: This is me, and I am not yelling into my microphone.
4: I'm also joined by Taylor.
6: (laughs) What is up?
4: We have Nick in the house.
1: Uh, Mellow is still in his prime.
4: We actually still have Mellow in the intro sound. I probably need to fix that because he's not here anymore, he's and I don't like him. He's going to be <laughs> out of the NBA soon. And we're joined by Justin.
2: Thunder Pounds when I stomp the ground.
4: Is that still? still uh...
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm still going, Andre. Okay? <laughs> okay? Okay, okay. <laughs> Ten bucks if you can name the song. Taylor? Oh, boy. Whoa, whoa. Uh,
5: it's bombs over Baghdad.
4: Did you Google Ooh. it? And I didn't No, I'm <laughs> sitting right here. He didn't. <laughs> That's right, good. I, I wouldn't have gotten that one. Well done. Hope nice. Austin, good job. Justin, Justin owes me $10. <laughs> Ooh. Hit, it, hit him with the, uh, with the Venmo name. Ba pow Ba Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. I really suck at Sounders, guys. You're stupid. <laughs> we got a lot to talk about. We've been we've been churning out post game podcasts. So this this podcast, these uh, early week podcasts, are just our uh, our big thoughts and general discussions where we're not podcasting solo. Uh, so screw it. Let's just jump right into it. We're gonna throw it over to uh, to Justin, who's gonna take us through some thunder stuff. All
2: right. OKC. Okay, is on a sort of, uh, I was about to say winning streak, but Dallas decided to uh, put an end to that. Uh, But they do, they've won eight of nine. Uh, They've won uh, three of four without Russ. Um, But, you know, when we take a step back and look at the schedule that this team's played, it's not great. And honestly, they should be winning most of these games. So you look at the games that they've won, they played the Suns twice. Well, the Suns are 2 and 11. Uh, the Cavs are 2 and 11. The Wizards are 4 and 9. The Rockets are 5 and 7. Um, you have the Pelicans and the Hornets sitting around 500 and honestly that puts their best win over this time period at the Clippers who are 8 and 5 and the Clippers have been playing um but that's not a that's not a great group of teams. So my question is, yes the Thunder won 8 of 9. But is this team actually legit, or is the stat schedule just making them look better than they might actually be?
1: I think I think we're a legit team. Um, I don't know if we're, you know, good enough to to really still be a contender. Uh, there's still too many variables there, but I think that, that there's there's no part of this eight and nine or eight in the last nine stretch. It's a fluke by any means, no matter who we're playing.
4: I agree. I, I, I do agree that the competition is poor. But at the same time, like there, there's things within those games that are, I think, very, very encouraging of a very good NBA basketball team.
6: Yep. So, I mean, I, I know we're about to get into the defensive stats here next, so I, I, but like offense rating, they're, the Thunder are currently 18th. Uh, they're second in the league of defense rating at 103.5, and their net rating, they're at eight. Uh, also, in pace, they're 10th in overall pace. And that, that's all with without rust for the majority of the season. So that right there says a lot. Um, but also, like, they're actually beating the, – I mean, I, I know the schedule's weak, and we agree that's a little bit of both, that they're a good team and also at the schedule's weak. But they're beating the teams they're supposed to for the most part, outside of that Dallas game, which, honestly, uh, Nick kind of – predict. Uh, he did predict it on the last pod. He did. You know, if, if we're going to win three straight, you're playing like – what was it three games and four nights you're going to be a little tired you're going to come out with energy you don't have rust you're in dallas it makes sense you would drop that one so winning eight of out of those nine i mean you're winning the games you're supposed to Is what i'm getting at and last season that's something we didn't have um for a lot that's encouraging because how many
2: times did we watch them come out against a team that they should have just absolutely destroyed and it was either too close or they actually dropped that game. I think that and, that was a big big problem with the team last season.
1: Yeah, it was super frustrating last year. It seemed like we always played to the level of our competition, which is why we lost a lot of those games we shouldn't have. And looking back, after hearing some of these mellow reports on, not necessarily he was a bad locker room guy, but kind of his mentality was, we're going to be all right.
6: Kind of had that some bad of, influence.
1: Right, some of those games where we should have came out just like we're playing any other team, uh, maybe mellow in the locker room saying, you know, ah, it's, just, it's just the Suns and ah, it's just the Kings. We c- we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. No need to come out with a sense of urgency. I think I think that could have been a big reason we played to the level of our competition a lot of the time is because we didn't treat every team like we should have.
4: Hey, just to throw out some stats, because I, I know Taylor just uh, just spattered off a few, but um, if, if we take away those first four games of the season, actually just the first three, and we look at the last ten games – Thunder are 10th in offensive efficiency. They are 1st in defensive efficiency. And they are 4th in net rating at a plus 8.4. What's their true shooting percentage? Because I guarantee
5: you they're like 29th.
4: (laughs) True shooting percentage in the last 10 games. The Thunder are 18th. It's about middle of the pack. 54.7. The Warriors are at 63.3. Jeez. At number one. Wow. Well, OKC. Okay, I mean, okay. For for sorry for true shooting percentage, they're they're fifty four point seven. That's tied uh, for seventeenth actually, and it's 0.2 percentage points away from uh, from San Antonio at sixteen. So basically, right the okay. middle of the pack of the league.
5: Okay. Anyways, OKC. Okay, uh, are they a contender? No. Are they a pretty good team? I would say they're pretty decent. I mean, they hung in there with Golden State earlier this year, but everybody seemingly is hanging with Golden State this year, so it's not really a good barometer of where they're at. Oklahoma City's been playing good defense. Besides the time, they gave up like 150 points to the Sacramento Kings, so there's that. (laughs) Uh, They had a complete collapse against the Boston Celtics, so there's that. Uh, But for the most part, they've been beating bad teams. Congratulations, Oklahoma City. You beat a middle-of-the-road team in the Clippers. The Pelicans with Anthony Davis, who has a bad elbow, and then the Phoenix Suns like nine times. Do I think the offense is getting better? Yes, because they're getting better shots when shooters. the point guard, when Raymond Felton's the point guard or the backup. Uh, it's pretty terrible. But the defense is usually there, which is encouraging because if you're going to hang your hat on an identity, OKC wants to play defense or run a transition, so that's what they've been doing you'll get to see what Oklahoma city is going to do really after the new year, because they should win yep. several of these games heading into Christmas. So like, what, what would you say their best win is right now? The Clippers, the struggling rockets. Yep,
4: I think that home one against the Clippers was a big one. And even though, you know, they, they didn't have Alfred Payton, who has actually played pretty good for him. And uh, Anthony Davis may have been struggling with the elbow. Um, I think that, that new Orleans win was uh was pretty impressive, especially with Russ being out basically half of the third and the entire fourth quarter in crunch time. I thought uh Yeah. I thought they played well and and part of that also was because of the adjustments. You know, in that Pelicans game in the first half, the Thunder were giving up that backside corner three and uh and offensive rebounds. And in the second half they came out and New Orleans didn't get a single offensive rebound. The Thunder really uh made halftime adjustments and so I, I thought that was uh That's got to be in contention for it, I think, for best one of the season so far.
5: I mean, just like Justin was asking, is it a legit team or is it a product of poor competition? Just like most things, it's never one definite. It's somewhere in the middle. And we'll see what that looks like come, you know, at the beginning of February. Because right now, I mean, right now the trailblazers are, what, second in the West? Yeah, And then the Nuggets are like third, and OKC is somewhere around four or five. But, I mean, the Trailblazers, we don't expect them to be second in the West.
2: Right. The good news is is the Thunder schedule, I mean, you kind of hinted at this. You know, the next month is pretty easy. They've got a game at Golden State. I think that's next week. Um, They play Denver twice and, and Utah twice. But other than that, it's more the same. It's, uh, I think we've got more dates with the Phoenix Suns in there. It's, it's a lot of those kind of uh, bottom feeder teams, so that record has an opportunity to continue to inflate. Um, the, the true test will come early next year when they start having to face some of these um, more talented teams, more, teams that are more likely to make
4: the playoffs come the end of the season.
2: I want to see them against uh,
4: San Antonio. Yeah, that would be interesting.
2: Yeah. San Antonio is always tough, even if their record isn't that great um but like we hit on you know the thunder are doing some things well it may you know it may not necessarily be against the best competition but i think the thing that stands out the most is the thunder defense um this team's always been athletic and you've always felt like they should be good at defense but especially last season that was really one of their main pain points as a team is they often just looked so disengaged and so uninterested in playing defense that it led to them losing to a lot of teams that they shouldn't lose to. Um, However, this season, they look completely energized. I think a lot of that starts with Russell Westbrook. Um, He seems to be more focused at the defensive end than he's maybe ever been in his career. And what that's led to is the Thunder are second in defensive efficiency at 103.5. They're first in steals by almost a a whole two steals per game. Uh, They're third in defensive three-point percentage. And they're seventh in defensive three-point attempts. So this is a team that's really getting after it. Uh, they're staying locked in. They've got active hands. Um, you know, Russ is second in the league in deflections per game. George is fourth. Uh, there's a lot of positives to take uh, away from the defense so far. What are you guys seeing on that end of the floor that has you excited?
4: I'll jump in first on this one. Um... Because I want to, I want to rant on this defense for a second. I think the the defense, the Thunder defense, is playing incredible. Um, We've talked about it a lot on this podcast, but the scheme of uh, of not switching everything and instead at at the first point of attack in the pick and roll, um, the big hedges out pretty far and tries to contain the ball while the the guard scrambles to get over the screen, catch back up to the ball. They trap it. Uh, They rotate on the backside and rely on on crisp rotations, communication, and uh, just high energy and aggressiveness. And I I think this is the defense that Billy Donovan has wanted to play. Even though the defense was looking good last year until Dre went down, the Thunder played basically just switch everything defense last year. And I think a, a big product of that was having Carmelo Anthony on the roster. You, you just you, you couldn't do it you know like you, yep. you just you you couldn't let Carmelo Anthony switch onto a guard or a or or whoever you know um and and you really couldn't rely on him to like get over that screen and like contain the ball in a pick and roll so i i think this starting lineup and just the the ten deep you know the, this team like like justin like you said it's yeah. it's incredibly athletic and the the defensive scheme like i said is reliant on communication uh, high energy, being aggressive, and uh, and and giving multiple efforts, and I think everybody on the roster is kind of bought into that right now. And I and I think maybe the most important thing about that is they are seeing results. You know, I I think yep. it's just human nature that you you start to do something, and if you don't start seeing the results from that, it's hard to continue to buy into it, regardless of what you're doing. You know, uh, that's why so many people like fizzle out on like working out or diets you know because they do it for a week or two and they don't see the results they want and so like they, they don't get that gratification the Thunder defense is getting that gratification like you can physically like see how good they are and so I think that just increases the buy-in and and like you said like Russell Westbrook super engaged like he's giving second third efforts last year we would see so many times that he would like die on a screen or the ball would swing around onto his side of the court and someone would get an open three and he would just stand there and watch it now he's getting over those screens he's jumping out to those three point shooters and giving a late contest and and the numbers are backing it up that those are good things and they're working and and honestly i think like I've, I've been pretty critical of the Thunder and their defensive schemes and how they've played defense for years now, especially Russell Westbrook and and I honestly think that what we've seen so far over these first what uh, 13 games is is really really impressive stuff by this team on the defensive end I think this might be one of the Thunders best defensive teams they've had in the past decade ever yeah they're, they're I, I think it's, it's really good and it's it's so much fun to watch because typically I watch basketball. I watch the Thunder and I start to get really pissed off because I'm like, dude, what the hell? Like, why aren't you getting over that screen? Why aren't you doing this? Like, why aren't you? uh, Why are you losing your man off ball? Blah 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 blah. And I get like really pissed off. But it's like really enjoyable to watch this team play defense because they're so gritty. Yeah. Sorry, I'm done ranting.
6: Wait. I agree with everything you just said, and it leads to offense points on the other end, which is huge, particularly when this team uh, isn't very good from shooting, although they've been better, uh, but just a couple other things just to add on to that. Cause I think you covered a lot of that and, and I agree with that, but there's, I see a lot of improvement from individuals uh, since last season, uh, particularly from Terrence Ferguson, Alex Sabrina's uh, even Jeremy Grant. And then we have guys like that, that have stepped up and play great defense like that. It, it allows other players like Paul George and Steven Adams to be that much better because it's kind of like last year with, when Dre was healthy. You know, Paul George could kind of be that that free safety and, and go for the deflections and the steals. And I, now, you know, like we talked about, he's fourth in deflections, and I believe he, he leads the league in, in steals right now as well. Um, and the same can be said for Steven Adams. He's not having to make up for players like Melo. Uh, so he's able to do his thing down low and, and place all defense as well. So the improvement of guys like Alex Sabrinas and Terrence Ferguson, that starting lineup, and I think we're going to talk about here, him in a second. I guess this can be a good transition of uh, him on Booker last night. You know, It's it's really exciting, and, and that's contributed to this good defense.
4: For sure. And and before we move on to Ferg, uh, Kamiar and I had a discussion earlier today at work about Steven Adams' defense. And uh, some of the stuff that he said I think was was spot on. Calmier, do you mind kind of like rehashing what you said to me earlier?
5: I was talking about Stephen Adams when they do in the pick and, when they go to the pick and roll, um, when Stephen hedges up front to really trap the ball handler. He has incredible hands as far as just swiping at the ball, um, yeah, making the ball handler hesitate and then scrambling back to his man back in the paint. He has a, a really uncanny ability to uh, be agile to you know force the ball handler to stymie him and then to force the ball somewhere else or force him to keep it and not let the big get the ball.
4: Yeah, and kind of to add on that, I I think Steven does a really good job whenever defending the pick and roll. He gets his hands low for those bounce passes. I think that's underrated. Yep. And one thing that, that Steven talked about last year that I thought is just something we don't really think about is it was in a game against Houston, and they talked to Steven post-game about the uh, – the Harden and Clint Capella two-man game. And Steven constantly said that his goal, like he knew he'd have to get out and trap Harden and it leaves Capella open to roll to the rim. But the goal on defense was they, they knew they probably weren't going to be able to like trap Harden and turn Harden over, like get the ball out of his hands. But the goal was to make the pass from Harden to Capella as far of a pass as possible to give it more airtime to let the defense scramble back into position. And it's just those those little things that I think are super super important. And yeah, Steven, dude, I like I don't know, cuz I don't look like watch in depth on other teams, but Steven's got to be a top 3 um pick and roll defensive center in the league, right? Oh yeah. Like, he's 100%. incredible 100%. Yep.
2: I think he's highly underrated and I think it's cuz his stats don't always show it um you know whether that's the argument that other people like to make that you know russell steals stats uh from people like steven or what have you i think he's the kind of guy that you know when it comes to a national tv game or in the playoffs and people around the league actually see steven uh you know doing his thing during a game i think most of the time they're pretty surprised because he doesn't get talked about in the same breath uh as other guys do around the league like Embiid or Jokic or whoever it is uh, for whatever reason he doesn't get that same attention
5: because he doesn't do exciting things like Jokic or Nurkic or Gobert he's not blocking shots he's not hitting three-pointers he's not he's not flashy he's not doing that he's doing what you're asking him to do which is command the defense in a really pretty pretty consistent way but he's not getting you like blocks or anything that's like I, I, you know, I yeah
4: it's not the sexy stuff but he's a very very sound defensive player and i think he's a really high iq player he might be the highest iq player on this team if we're being honest yep
6: he's a glue guy for sure
4: he's like the quintessential um like team player you know he's yep. like the the much bigger broader more athletic nick collison in his prime. I, yep.
6: yes. And that's who he learned from. That's a. Yep. Right. Yeah. That's a. Really you know. Yeah. Uh,
4: he, he's a guy that learned from Nick Collison and Kendrick Perkins, so he he knows that's how right. to play that's physical true. and play Best smart. Best of
2: both. <laughs> so speaking of Nick, I actually have a, a trivia question here. Uh, who on this team leads in charges drawn per game? Is like it, this season? This season. This season. Mm-hmm. Uh Brinus? Nope. Berg. No. No. Nope. Nope. Schroeder. Ah, uh, that's a good one. Schroeder is averaging uh point four six charges per game. The next closest is Jeremy Grant at 0. .15, which oh, wow. is a yeah.
6: Wow.
4: That's pretty good. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Schroeder does a good job of sliding over and getting his feet set. He's uh yeah, he's he's impressed me defensively as well. And all these defensive True. numbers are with Russell Westbrook not having played six of the eleven games. Yep. And with no Andre Robertson at all, they're, playing, they're starting crazy. a sophomore player uh, who's playing an average of 20 minutes a game. They're, they're giving over 10 minutes a game to a rookie wing, and then they're playing a Brinus, uh like 26 to 30 minutes a game who everyone said is like not a good defender. They're playing those three guys and no Dre, and five game, six games of no Russell Westbrook, and the defense is still second in the league.
2: Awesome. Yeah, um, it's disgusting. It's disgusting. <laughs> um, so you mentioned it just now, so it, this is a good opportunity to talk some more about it. Let's talk about Ferguson. Uh, so he's continued to start. I think the pitchforks from the angry Thunder Twitter mob have been put away. Uh, he's looked really great in these, it, during this kind of uh, hot streak the Thunder have been on. Uh, the big news recently, you know, the last game against the Suns, Billy put Ferguson on Booker in the fourth. Um, that, that's you know up there with the toughest covers that he's had to do so far this season. And Booker only scored four points on one of six shooting in the fourth, uh, which is fantastic. You take that every time you play the Suns. Uh, Post game, somebody asked Paul George about it a little bit, and he talked about you know really wanting to build up young guys by letting them take on big defensive responsibilities. Um, you know the importance of trusting those young guys. He talked about his trust in Ferguson the trust the coaching staff has in Ferguson. I think it's great to hear him say that, Um, you know, we heard a little bit about Russ's interaction with Ferguson and maybe how that helped uh, Ferguson adapt to the mental side of, of being in the NBA and being a starter. But I think it's great to hear guys like PG uh, kind of rally around him as well. And he, he's really responded and played great. What did you guys seen from Ferguson uh, during this hot streak that's got you excited about his role moving forward.
4: When he so, swatted uh, Devin Booker straight up. That was, yeah. and it wasn't like a chase down from Beautiful. behind. Like he got like multiple steps to lead up to the jump. He was like flat footed in him the paint the and jumped yeah. and blocked him. Just eye to yep. eye, jumped up and, up and up swatted him. It, that reminded me, and this game makes me sad, but last year, the game that Dre got hurt up in Detroit. Uh, There was a, uh, I think Kami and I actually watched that game together, but there was a, um, a moment in that game where Dre was guarding Tobias Harris uh, in the paint and he was like post guarding him and Tobias turned around and shot like a turnaround fadeaway jumper. And Dre just jumped up and put his hand on the ball. And as Tobias like tried to shoot it, the ball just never went anywhere. He just like stuffed him, you know, like legitimately, like didn't swat it, just, just swatted his shit you know just kept his ball on his hand on the ball not his ball on his hand that'd be uh, that's something <laughs> else that we'll talk about on a later podcast cool. but uh, um, thunder after dark thunder after dark baby <laughs> um but it, yeah that ferguson block reminded me like it was like remis- reminiscent of Andre Robertson
6: yep like at that point you just got That's how he's been playing defense home. yeah so actually I could be completely wrong on this, so correct me if if you guys know this for sure. But the way I took the question being asked, and uh, I think the way the question was asked to PG, I actually think it was was him, Paul George, who made that adjustment to put Ferguson on Booker. And he was saying because, you know, it's important for young guys to have confidence. He kind of inferred that, you know, it's the Suns and they had confidence that they were going to win the game. So it was a good time to do it um and also you know in case something happened like to Paul George like it did Andre or you know if both those guys are out at some point it's huge for these guys like you know Ferguson and then Diallo and Abrinas to step up like that so I I think that's really big uh, as well that Paul George you know wanted to instill that confidence into Fergus just like Russ has been
2: did you take that as a slight at Billy uh
6: not no not necessarily I think it's just Paul George getting more comfortable and kind of taking more control of this team now that he's Long term, he's taking not just, some ownership, you know, on his trial. He's taking some ownership of the team. I think that's exactly, yeah, just trying to instill confidence in the young guy and uh, show that he trusts him. Um, I don't think that was anything at at uh, at Billy
4: necessarily. I also think you see the confidence of Ferg in um, in his offensive game. He's not afraid to to pull that yep. shot now. And like that, fir- yep. the very first play he's of mashing. the Phoenix game, yes, was like he just caught it and just took Devin Booker off the dribble and just yammed, yammed. on. Him.
6: He's he's had one of those like it seems like the past like three straight games yep. I think it's, it's such awesome. a far cry from where he was at at the beginning of the season
2: where it yeah. looked like he was allergic to the basketball.
4: Yeah, he's yeah, like yeah, and he's, I, he's so much I more aggressive this, now.
1: I touched on this in the post game pod, but Ferg used to be that guy that that even whenever we won big, he always seemed to be a um, a minus on that on that plus minus for the game. And last night, uh, even with that big responsibility. Um, He was a plus 30, which is the highest uh, for anyone in the entire game. So that just goes to show that he is doing the little things on the offensive and the defensive end to help us win.
2: So with Ferguson playing so well, uh, what happens when Robertson comes back? Um, I think we saw a little bit of him getting some time on the court. And honestly, when I watched the video, it didn't look great. Uh, He looked pretty tender he wasn't putting a lot of uh weight on that leg he he seemed to be taking it pretty easy i think he's still probably a long way off um we've heard that he'll be reevaluated in december but you know i i wouldn't expect him to play soon after that
4: yeah i think it's 2019 um, to roberson yeah, the court
6: yeah for sure yep unfortunately
4: and so and- Sorry, I don't mean to cut you off here, Justin, but because uh, because I know we're talking about like Ferguson when when Drake comes back. Uh, just for reference, the past ten games uh, when the Thunder are what eight and two in those games, Ferguson has uh, a one hundred a flat one hundred defensive rating, a one fifteen offensive rating, so a net rating of plus fifteen point five in twenty two minutes a game. So he's playing like crazy good. Like plus fifteen is. Stupid good.
2: So what do you think Ferg has to, what do you have to see from him between now and, you know, say early 2019 when Robertson comes back to say, yeah, hey, you know what, Dre, you know why, why don't you come off the bench?
5: I think a lot of things can happen between now and then specifically like what if Terrence Ferguson keeps on working on his jump shot and it gets consistently better because I also think that Andre Robertson is not coming back this year. I think he's going to come back in 2019 but let's say he does come back this year, and you have Russ, Dre, uh, PG, Jeremy Grant, and Stephen Adams. Like, there's literally no spacing, and people somewhat respect Chris Ferguson as a three-point shooter, somewhat. So, and then you're gonna turn Dre into like a small-ball four on offense, but he's gonna guard like one through four on on defense. So, I mean, that's, I think there's a lot of things that can happen, and quite frankly. I mean, if Terrence Ferguson it keeps on developing at the rate he is, and so does Hamadou Diallo Andre Robertson's last year of his contract is next year. Yep. And that's a
6: exactly. tradable piece. trade co- trade
5: that's that's a yep. that's a salary dump. And so exactly. I, think Especially, he's not Ferguson, way. I think it's quite possible. I think it's I think it's possible if Ferguson ends up starting this year for the rest of the year and next year because if he's transcending the way he is and Diallo the same way, I mean you have viable wings that are options and you have Dre on a ten million dollar contract next year and that's it. There's no there's no player option and the like the core of Russ, PG, Adams, and Schroeder are intact to at least twenty 2020, twenty, twenty twenty one. Like you got a lot of stuff to you got a lot of stuff to think about. Yep. Yep. And Yeah, I think Sorry, go I ahead.
1: think um I was just gonna say, um it's easy to say all this now, like when Dre comes back, Ferg keeps a starting job and then Dre can be a trade chip down the road. But just as much as he has seemed to improve from Game 1 to Game 13, you know the season is a a season of ups and downs, and we've seen this with a lot of our guards in the past. Ten games from now, we could be talking about Ferg just like we were at the beginning of the season. So I'm not going to get my hopes up. That's definitely true. start thinking about we don't need Dre. But as of right now, if, if he continues to play at the level he is, and that doesn't waver at all, then, yeah, absolutely, that could be an option. I
5: mean, offensively, what we're getting from him is really realistically just a bonus. I mean, him like yeah. sky, skying
1: for these massive
5: freaking dunks and just wide-open corner threes that he feels a lot more confident in taking since Russell Westbrook met him at the gym. But everybody liked, the, everybody liked what they saw when they saw him on Harden. Everybody liked what they saw when they saw him on Kemba. Everybody liked what they saw when they saw him on Book. I mean, and these are guys that are prolific offensive scorers. So, I mean... Is he going to guard KD? No, but is he going to is he going to guard you know some of the other best guards in the NBA? Most likely, so Clay, um, yeah, and I, I feel, and and Clay doesn't dribble the damn ball. So if he, if, yep. I, I feel comfortable with him. If I feel if I can feel comfortable with him guarding Kemba, if I can feel comfortable with him guarding Book and you know Harden or whatever, then I think I'm pretty good for the rest of the NBA. I mean, he's only going to get better. He moves his feet really fast. He just needs to stop fouling so much
4: yeah totally agree I think that's
2: my biggest fear with Robertson though you know not necessarily that T Ferg is gonna you know surpass what Robertson ever was but more so that you still be that quick exactly you know he relied so much on his foot speed to lock guys down and stay with him and coming back from this injury I'm just afraid that he's not going to be the same player that he was uh, before it happened
4: for sure so we were talking earlier about, uh, you know, Paul wanting Terrence Ferguson to guard Booker in that fourth quarter. Um, to me, that kind of says like we have faith in this kid. I mean, Robertson's always been the guy that guards the the best wing on the opposing team, and yep. Robertson has has more size than Ferguson. But to me, Paul saying that and them sticking Ferg on on Booker that entire fourth quarter is kind of like. It, it it's almost like the, the hidden message there for me is get ready and uh and start getting used to these matchups because this is your role, this is what you're gonna do. You know, like
1: I was gonna say the same thing.
4: It, it almost feels like it's it they're putting him through the trials and getting him ready to, to be that that Dre replacement almost.
1: And is that a sign that, that inside the organization they know? robertson's not coming back anytime soon true i
4: i think more than that yeah. though i think it's a sign that the organization is really high on ferguson i've right. i've heard from people that cover the team multiple times like the front office the coaching staff they are really really high on this kid and like yep. you men- you mentioned it in the slack at one point nick and i don't know if we talked about it on the podcast but ferguson is what just a couple months older than than homie
1: yeah, I yeah. think it's like sixty or seventy days older. If that. yeah, so I mean, you wow. have you have two twenty-year-olds
4: like under basketball. Yeah, you have two twenty, like hyper-athletic twenty-year-old yeah. wings that look to be like great defenders, and if they can both kind of develop that three-point shot, they're going to be huge for this team.
6: Absolutely,
2: I think we just have to you know appreciate what he's done so far this season, and how we were talking about him you know, three weeks ago. Uh, yeah, three weeks ago we were shitting
4: now. on him. Now, like, we just had a, a collective, like, 10 minute circle jerk about Terrence Ferguson. No. I can't even okay. replace can't. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, so let's talk about another uh, surprise for the season so far Jeremy and Patterson. Uh, I think coming into this year, everybody assumed that Patterson would start. I think that's ev- what everybody assumed uh, before the Melo trade happened last year. And it made sense. Um, However, since those roles have reversed, you have Grant starting and Patterson coming off the bench. Uh, Since that point, you've got Grant averaging 13 points a game, six boards, and shooting 40% from three, whereas Patterson is seven points per game, three rebounds, shooting 44% from three. Uh, The good news here is, you know, I think both of these guys are more comfortable in their new roles. Patterson played off the bench in Toronto so I think he's got experience doing that. He's a guy that can come off uh, and, and, and shoot, uh, put some threes in the basket, uh, come in cold and, and make some shots, whereas Jeremy kind of struggled with that. I think Jeremy needs to get in the flow of the game a little more. He needs more time on the court to kind of find his rhythm and, and start feeling it a little bit. So I think sh- that starting spot helps him do that and gets him in more of a groove. What have you guys seen from the role change, and what do you like moving forward?
5: I mean, I think the role change is not, like, because everybody in the offseason could say, yeah, Patrick Patterson, he provides floor spacing along with Paul George, and it's going to give so much more room to operate, and the defense is going to be fine because he's just going to replace Melo, who is a carcass on the floor. And then it didn't work out so well, and then Pat's numbers were down. It's real odd. And then you switch him, and Jeremy Grant, I think it's like, again, it's just like playing pickup. Jeremy Grant does seem to need to get in the flow of the games. And what he helps first is just, you know, stymy offenses because he's hyper-athletic, he's long, he can play realistically three through five. Uh, you really only want him at the four, though, because his advantage is on, you know, bigger, bigger-bodied bigger four and fives because he can get past them. But him running the break, him getting in the flow of the game will get him in a rhythm for his jumper. So, I mean, do I think his three-point shot is real? Um, not really cuz his release is so slow <laughs> like he has so much yeah. time to gather for it so i don't think his i don't think his three pointer is really real like he'll probably temper down our expectations and shoot at like 32% but patterson I'll take that i <laughs> mean patterson like him off the bench has been so much better for him and for the team like the guy is actually working a lot better off the bench and maybe it's because of Dennis Schroder and when he's you know the second line of point guard when you see what an actual point guard can do at the bench it's really nice when you have three point shooters like Abrinas and and Patterson. So they find him in the corners and he's shooting, you know, 44%. It's 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 just really working out really well. Yeah, and the, that's three
4: po- three attempts per game as well, you know. So it's not like a super small sample size. I think yeah. so you just mentioned Ferguson, you know, maybe making uh Patterson comfortable in that second second unit. I think Patterson and Abrinas have kind of got a little bit of chemistry going. We've seen Abrinas kind of come off that screen and throw that kind of like that yes, backwards that bounce no pass. Or, yeah. uh, yesterday against Phoenix, uh, somebody closed out hard on an Abrinas screen. He drove past hard and then just like one hand like off the dribble pass to, to Pat at the wing for a three. Like those two are kind of making a uh, a really good combination with one another. And if Abrinus is a little more comfortable with his ball handling... Like, you can legit run like plays where it's a Branus Patterson pick and roll. Like, how in the hell do you f- defend that shit? You want to say, partner? That's nasty. God, I hate Michael Cage.
6: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's been so bad. I hate he's that guy. awful this season. Yeah. I don't like Chris Fisher, yeah. but that's because I don't he's, like, like, either he, of he's them. like, he's
5: anticlimactic. He's like, during <laughs> yeah. the, the, P, the PG Jeremy Grant off the glass dunk, he's like, Oh, and there's a there's an exclamation point. All right, well, Thunderwind,
4: guys. <laughs> and then Michael Cage is over here, like, I still play church league basketball. And oh my god! I <laughs> shut your black Mister Clean ass. Looking back in my church up. league, Dude, Shut up. Why is it gotta be
5: that race with you? What's wrong with you?
4: He looks like a black Mister Clean. Does he not? Am I am I wrong he does. here? I just think With he that
5: looks head. like an NBA player that he, played in church League.
4: He acts like a dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah.
4: bang bang. Sometimes
2: sometimes when I'm watching the game and things are going poorly for the Thunder, um, <laughs> I try to imagine myself like having to be in Michael Cage's role because most of the time I'm not that positive. And so sitting there trying to think like, man... I just watched the Thunder give up 133 points to the Kings.
6: What's the nicest thing I could say right now?
4: <laughs> Dude, it's like...
6: Well, if they keep trying their hardest, maybe they can come back.
4: <laughs> I don't know if it's in like Michael... This has got off the rails, but it's okay. I don't know if it's in Michael Cage's like contract or what. Either he is literally the dumbest basketball player ever. Or he's contractually obliged to say the dumbest shit ever. Like, there was a play the other night, uh, I think it was in the Dallas game, where, like, Felton dribbled the ball, like, 15 times and then pulled up, like, a 19-foot, (laughs) two-point jumper. He was like, that's the kind of shots you want to get. I was like, what the hell are you talking about, man? Like, how the—oh, my God. I
5: say Michael Cage has to go unless he brings back the Jerry Curl. And then Chris Fisher just has to go because yes. he makes me feel uncomfortable. I I don't like either of them. Chris Fisher seems like the type of guy that would stare at you while you're sleeping. That's <laughs> weird. <laughs> that's, that's what I'm
4: saying. He's yeah, go. he probably like brings a girl over and then like no, she wakes no, up and no, like he's just like sitting there on talking. a chair next to the bed like well, looking at her. Yep. Cross, like, okay, Chris yeah. Okay. Yeah. The, the that podcast guest list. It's
2: a
1: hair gel. It's Too uh, much.
4: Fisher looks like an ex, like Abercrombie and Fitch model whenever he was in. Uh, he in does.
6: <laughs> One of those Calais boys. Okay, okay. Uh. All right.
4: <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I, think, uh, I think Jeremy Grant and Patrick Patterson have both fit in well in their new roles. I think they're doing well. <laughs> I'm trying to get back on track, guys, I Good promise. Good talk, Russ. Trying to transition. Yeah. Oh, so One uh, more
6: thing I was going to bring up is just really quick is Steven Adams. Last night I was a little upset because they just completely went away from him in the second half, but just a couple st- stats that I found that were interesting. Uh, per the Thunder, and this was before last night's game, but Steven had surpassed whoever was second in overall uh, rebounds of franchise history and now second behind Nick Collison. Uh, he's, or sorry, the second leading offensive rebounder in Thunder history, and then something else. Uh, the Thunder have a difference of 18.9 points per 100 possessions uh, when their center is out of the game, and with with Stephen in, uh, it helps create a difference of 20.4 points per 100 possessions on That's offense insane. when he's on the floor. So That's he's insane. just he's been huge, and it really pissed me off whenever like they went to him early and he was just absolutely dominating Aiden. Uh, you know the rookie and just looked great. Dude, he and was he just—I don't think he, he got he a touch again until
4: like the fourth quarter. He sunned him. Yeah. Also, so we talked about how keep we talk about how Adams doesn't get a lot of statistics. You know, I, I think Justin mentioned that earlier. If yep. the NBA would start making it like a, a, a point of contention to make it make screen assist stats, where if someone sets a screen and then the ball is scored off of that screen. Um, you get a statistic. Steven Adams, I think, last year led the league in that.
6: Yep. Yeah. I mean, I think we talked about that in one of our, our last podcasts of last season. That's that's a really good point.
4: All right. Let's <laughs> let's move to around the association. Sorry, th- Collier and I should never be in the same room together. Here we go.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know where you' sitting at. <laughs>
4: the high-pitched part gets me every time man (laughs) Uh, that's top five sounder of all time all right take us around the association
6: So since the last time we potted last week, there's been some pretty big things that have happened. Uh, the first of these was happening when I was on my way to Bedlam on Saturday, and Jacob and I were in the slack complaining about how obnoxious the whole Jimmy Butler thing was getting and how he wished people would just shut up about it until something happened. Well, literally two minutes later, something happened.
4: Hey, hold Jimmy on. Butler let me, let me play the trade sounder. Let me play the trade sounder. <laughs> no way. I'll trade you
6: my level two magic Magikarp for your Charizard.
0: Deal. It's a disaster.
3: A trading
6: disaster. You're stupid. I forgot we had that. That's such a good sounder. (laughs) Trading my magic cart for your Charizard. (laughs) Dude, whoever trades a Uh,
4: magic cart for a Charizard, like, I was going to say something really messed up. I'm going to. That's a bad trade. In (laughs)
1: hindsight, hindsight, Mellow for Schroeder was was that kind of a trade. Yeah, (laughs) that was definitely a magic.
4: It wasn't really a magic cart for a Charizard. That was more like a. Uh, is Magic the most worthless Pokemon?
5: Um, I mean until it evolves.
1: It, it yes. Yeah, it can it, evolve so. into something way better. Yeah, Carmelo yeah, Anthony
4: ain't evolving thing. into shit. He's uh, a <laughs> he's like he's like a Weedle, and his best thing he yeah. could ever do is evolve into a Kakuna. No, Kakuna evolves
6: into Beebees. <laughs> God, wasp. Bzz. We're we're all really nerdy uh, for our listeners. Um. Carmelo Anthony's like
4: trading <laughs> a. Uh, what? I I can't even think of like a, a Pokemon as worthless as Carmelo Anthony is like how
6: about
5: execute and executor. You're a tree or an you're an egg and then a tree.
4: Yeah, that was a really weird evolution. Okay, so it's like train- oh, Mr. Mime. Mr. Mime, that dude is dude weird as hell. I'm weird telling you looking. right now, Ash's mom was pi- or was getting piped by Mr. Mime. Dude, that's so- why that's why she we're became moving, on. So- we're moving M- on. <laughs> on. We're moving on to the tree Mellow
1: Mello Mello was uh metapod and his only move was harden oh. <laughs> there we go there we go uh he,
4: he never and good. he never got enough experience to evolve and then we traded him for a charizard butterfree there you go bye-bye butterfree so, that episode made me cry
6: sp- <laughs> speaking of trades jimmy Veller <laughs> was finally traded uh, Jimmy and Justin Patton were traded for Robert Covington, Dario uh, Saric, Jared Bayless, and a 2022 second rounder. Uh, apparently tips told the owner, Glenn Taylor to make a deal after he realized that this team could not, the Timberwolves could not win uh, with all this dysfunction going on. They lost their fifth straight game on their road trip and it was against Sacramento. And apparently that was the final straw. Uh, so, Shams and Sam Amico and some some people from the Athletic came together and had a really really some really good insight and some uh, kind of behind the scenes info and details about the kind of the entire timeline of this whole entire saga, and there are some potential deals I found really interesting that were on the table. There was obviously this one that kind of uh, kind of came together last minute. There was New Orleans; they offered Miritich and an unprotected first rounder, but Minnesota denied that and said they either went another first-rounder for 2019, or they wanted Drew Holiday instead. Uh, Houston offered Marquise Chris, Brandon Knight, and the four uh, four first-rounders, but eventually ended up offering Eric Gordon, who Tibbs was apparently really wanting, Nene for contract and money-matching purposes, and then two first-rounders as well. So what are you guys' thoughts on the whole uh, whole Jimmy trade, how he fits in Philadelphia, and also those other trades I mentioned, do you guys think those were any better than the ones that, that they got?
4: Nick, you take this one first.
1: Um, I personally would have taken the Rockets trade, um, especially considering the way their season's going so far uh, and their outlook going forward with how old some of their uh, best guys are. Uh, those first-round picks may have ended up not being as bad as we initially would have thought. Uh, on top of that... I honestly would have taken Eric Gordon over Covington and uh Sarit. so i I would have personally taken the rockets. I know there was some some mumbles of them wanting to keep Jimmy out of the West. That could have been part of it, but you know from obviously I don't know how the chemistry is going to work and, and how they thought the chemistry would work, but um, you know from the surface, I think the rockets had the best trade package.
2: Yeah, I don't know how you don't take all those picks. I think we've seen, you know, seen what happened with the Boston uh, Nets trade. Uh, I think, man, four first rounders. I think you you take that every day. I also like that it took uh, these five straight losses for Tibbs to realize, like, oh, maybe this Jimmy dysfunction is bad, and we can't win with that. Yeah, I, <laughs> I feel like everybody else in the world realized that uh, before the season started.
4: I think for the immediate, like, this season, I think they got a good return for the long term. I don't think it was great. I, I personally really like Robert Covington. And if they don't start Taj, which is, uh, huh, I mean, do, we any, do any of us really have any to- hope that Tibbs isn't going to start Taj? But uh, a starting lineup of, of Teague, Covington, Wiggins, Sarich, and Carl Anthony Towns is a really, really nice, like, space-the-floor offensive team and let Carl Anthony and Towns do his thing. Um, but, yeah, I, I think they probably should have got a pick out of it as far as the other side that's, of the coin. Yeah,
6: that's how I felt. I think yeah. they should have got a first-rounder out of that for sure. The, but I the, do like those two players.
4: Yeah, the other side of the coin, uh, Jimmy's fit in Philly. That's going to be interesting. Like, I think they're a better defensive team now but they were already struggling a little bit with spacing the floor because you have Ben Simmons, and then you traded away two, like, 40% three-point shooters uh, for Jimmy Butler, who's a ball-dominant guy. So I I think that's going to make their offense, like, struggle even more, but I think their defense is going to be pretty good. Also, you're adding Jimmy Butler, who is a, uh, a noted team killer now, to a team with Joel Embiid. And so, either those two are going to click together, like personally, and going to be really good, or there's going to be a fist fight in that locker room, like before Christmas time. I think they all want to win championships.
5: So, therefore, I think they're going to click really well together because I think the, the issue with Jimmy Butler and the Timberwolves was that legitimately, he thought half the team was full of pussies. Like, he didn't like. You know, Andrew Wiggins, he thought he was soft. He thought Cat was soft. He thought everybody on the team was soft. So then he goes to Philly. I don't think Joel Embiid's soft. I don't think Ben Simmons is soft. I don't think J.J. Redick, hell. I don't think he's soft. I don't think there's there's a lot of people on that team that are not soft. And all those people on that team want to win a championship. And they were pretty close to going to you know the NBA Finals last year. I mean, they got beat by the Boston B squad, which is not encouraging. But now you can take Marco Fultz and his whack ass jump shot off the floor and put in Jimmy Butler and it's gonna be I think it's gonna work out really well. Now for the for the Wolves or Timber Bulls, whatever you want to call them, Sarich, I could see him not starting right away, but I could see him playing really extensive minutes. And then Robert Covington, if you play two K, he's not that great. But Covington as far as like actually on the court, hellacious defender can't actually hit wide open three. So like he's your three and D guy that does not dribble the ball. So I think they did they get even return? No, because you're not gonna get an even return for a star. But did they get a pretty nice return for him? Yeah, I thought they got pretty good return for him. Yeah.
4: So so I, I know we, we want to move on pretty quickly, but they traded basically Zach Levine and the the rights to what ended up being um Oh God! What's the the Finnish kid's name in Chicago? Larry Markkinen. Yeah, Markkinen. They basically traded Levine and Markkinen for Sharich and and Ugh. Robert Covington. So Good I more. think when you look at it from that point of view, um, Minnesota probably like it really sucks. lost out. Right? I mean,
5: Minnesota loses out just by having what Dario Saric has on his face called a mustache. Have you you googled that? <laughs> yeah, it's it's weird looking, man. It's like the it looks opposite. Like it should be a- it's the opposite of a Hitler mustache. It's missing the middle.
2: He should be like a background extra in Pirates of the Caribbean. Dude,
4: yeah, yeah. I bet he like, looks like that. I bet he gets weird looks whenever he's within like a hundred yards of a school. <laughs> I think, like, really,
5: realistically, any near seven footer would get that look. True, but it's, <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, you're. Looking I just at found him. A, should we tweet? Oh, my God. This is, guy is ugly, man.
4: Is it worse than Evan Fournier? <laughs> we'll tweet this image out after we drop the podcast. Uh, <laughs> okay. Let's move on. Yeah, let's move on. So I'm dropping it in the thing- Slack right now, though, so you guys can see it live on the on the podcast <laughs> and react. Like it's going to take a second. Oh, there <laughs> it is. Take, take oh, a, take a peek.
6: That... That facial expression just makes it so much better. Dude, he looks, like, he looks like Vladimir Lenin. He does look he like the top. And
2: now I feel kind of bad.
5: He looks like Vladimir Lenin. Oh, wait. Does he have a cleft lip? And
2: we're making yeah. fun of him? Oh, oh, damn. And now we, now we look damn. bad.
6: Yeah. Damn. <laughs> oh,
4: never mind. Sorry. I'm it's okay that really, your mustache is messed up. I'm Daria. really sorry, Sarich. <laughs> sorry, Sarich. Sorry, Sarich. i like
6: 50 now in the Thunder Plam just, just because of this. But, uh, uh, okay, well, that was calm somebody, here and
4: nice, So we the assholes. Let's move on.
6: Somebody who will not be lighting up anybody for 50 points this season is somebody that we've been talking about quite a bit throughout this podcast, and Carmelo Anthony. Uh, there's been a lot of melodrama that's been going on. Basically, if you follow <laughs> any of your favorite big name uh, media, NBA insiders on Twitter, They have reported that Mello and the Rockets front office have discussed his role moving forward with the franchise. That's exactly how it was quoted, and then there's been some more stuff that's come out. He's been listed out the past two games with an illness, and he did not make the trip to Denver with the Rockets. It's been reported by Mark Stein of the New York Times that – the Houston players, Philip mill has played his last game with the franchise. And then Woj comes out and reports that mills agents have been in contact with other teams to gauge interest, which I found kind of interesting, uh, cause cause I thought he'd be done, but I was listening to the ringers NBA show, uh, the mismatch that they do on Tuesdays with Kevin O'Connor. Um, and he was reporting that those three teams that he had heard were new Orleans, Portland and the Lakers. Now, Talking on the Lakers, Stephen A. Smith also came out today and said that Mello could have gone to LA if he wanted to, but essentially told Magic Johnson, no, thank you. Obviously, you always have to take what yeah, Stephen A. Smith says with like a grain of salt because he's Mello. hardly ever right. But so it, it, what really stood out to me there was Portland, New Orleans, and the Lakers. What are your guys' thoughts on the whole Mello debacle uh, other than told you so, Houston fans? Because, you know, we told you so, Houston fans.
5: <laughs> Would you suggest that this melodrama is melodramatic? Okay, anyways, um, you know, I think it's really interesting because, like you said, what do we think on the Mellow thing besides that we've been trying to tell you, Houston fans, it's not a good idea just because you have CP3, it's not going to change anything, and then they did it anyways, and then it just went up in flames, like, really quick, like, a lot faster than it did last year, but, I mean... I don't know why the Pelicans would have any interest in him. Like just another ISO right. guy. Like Julius Randle yeah. would like kick his ass. Like in basketball and just yes. be like, we we saw what Julius Randle did to him when Julius Randle was a Laker. Like he literally just like punished Melo on the side of the court, and Mello really doesn't have a place in 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 New Orleans. So that doesn't make any sense. Now, does he have a, a place with the Lakers to play? Probably not because I don't I don't I couldn't see him you know skirting off. You know, Kuzma. Ingram, whoever else they, or they players, play Ingram? Yeah. But so in that in that he's mismatch he's of a roster,
4: he's like the crown jewel. Is he not?
5: I mean, like him and Rondo yeah, together absolutely. and all those other guys. Like, It'd be so fun. Him in Portland. For those purposes. Him and Portland was like a big deal before he actually ended up being traded to OKC. Yeah,
4: CJ and Dame recruited him yeah. hard to waive the no trade clause for Portland. But now and
6: that they Dame's see, Dame's been like, tweeting too, like how trying much, to defend him.
5: How much of a detriment? Because like, is he a good ISO player? Yeah. He is a good ISO player, typically, when you give him the ball and I give him one-on-one. But at the same time, he's a detriment to any sort of defensive philosophy you're trying to get at. So if you're Portland and your defense is working pretty well, you probably wouldn't want him. And yeah. New Orleans, it might make sense because they're a good defensive team with AD on the floor. I don't get the Lakers other than he
4: just buddies with Braun. Yep. Yep. Uh, yep. He's not good, man. He's a, he's. a it, it, It's a lot like... The end of Allen Iverson's career. That's you know, a, just very just similar to c- us. kind of like refusing to accept reality and accept yep. the role that he needs, and and just refusing he, to adapt. Yeah, he just doesn't fit anymore. And
5: I didn't even know. I I just didn't remember Iverson's Memphis days. I just remembered Iverson yeah. in Philly, and I remembered Iverson in Denver. Denver. Denver I didn't. Yep. I didn't remember any and of the Memphis then stuff. Detroit yep. and Memphis. And Detroit. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Detroit too.
6: That's, yeah, that's he actually basically it, played like a week for Memphis and then was done. It's kind of like this sad. with Mello, you know, playing right. like a couple of weeks with Houston.
1: My my uh, guess on where Melo ends up actually, ironically, um, since you mentioned AI in Detroit, I personally think that Mello will end up in Detroit.
4: That's an interesting huh. thought. That's yeah, a really interesting absolutely
1: thought. no big man. I I mean, not really that Melo's a big man. He kind of just is forced to play the four these days. Outside Blake Griffin and Drummond, I really don't know if I can name another power forward type guy on that entire team.
4: Yeah. Yeah, he could come off the bench in Detroit, I guess. Yep. Yeah. That makes that makes a little bit of sense. But Man. yeah, he's uh
5: like I think Mellow would retire before he came off the bench in Detroit. Right. <laughs> That's what
4: I, I, I think if if Mellow could put his pride yeah. aside, he could Play he for four or five more years play. and make a make a shit ton of money going over to China. Right. He like uh, yes, yeah. <laughs> he won't do it though. <laughs> his star his star like flamed out
5: way faster than Joe Johnson's. Think about that. Yep. And I mean, makes like, you
2: appreciate guys like Vince Carter. Exactly, yeah. Vince Carter, Dirk to...
4: Nowinski. Dirk didn't play at all against the Th- the Thunder the other night. I guess he's not playing much at all this season, and yeah. he's just kind he of ex- hasn't played yet. Yeah, he he, he I he's mean, like, he still hurt. Yeah, yeah he's Whoa.
1: injured. He hasn't oh. played yet this year.
4: Okay, but I mean, Dirk's kind of accepted his role. You know, where like right. Melo Mello's just holding on so tightly to what he thinks is still there, but it's not really still there. You know, like who me? <laughs> who, me? It's bad, man. It's bad. It is. All right, let's start it talking is. about Melo because I'm getting pissed off. But the last thing, sorry, no, let's, let's talk about one more thing about Melo. Uh, the Thunder made it work for an entire season, and Sam Presti never threw him under the bus. Uh, Ten games into Houston, and Daryl Morey's like, yeah, this shit's awful. We got to get rid of him. Yeah. Yep. I think That's that says point.
5: something about the Thunder front office and the Thunder franchise. That they refuse to give up on bad players? <laughs> Maybe <laughs> partially. <laughs> yeah. Samaj Christian for one year, buddy. God. Forever and Dude, Thunder lore. Two
4: years ago, we went. We had Samash Christian two years ago as a backup point guard. Now we have Dennis Schroeder. For at least two more years after this season. God bless America that that happened. Yeah. Where's <laughs> yeah. Schroeder even but at? Yeah, at? but we should just cut, you know, Mellow and uh, stretch him, right? And Straight wave off. and stretch, yeah. Wave and stretch. How, was, how, how, how many fit. points and assists does wave and stretch average? Remind me because I don't remember. I don't know. Is it averaging 15 and 6? Like... Dennis Schreiter is? A good
6: Absolutely question. not. Yeah. Yep. So uh, the next thing that kind of happened, uh, I guess it was last night, that was really big, was the Draymond Green and KD drama, fiasco, yes. whatever you want to call it. During last night's loss in overtime against the Clippers at the end of regulation, Draymond didn't pass to KD for the last shot. Not only did he not pass it, but he stumbled and lost the ball. KD goes to the huddle. He gets super butt hurt. In the huddle, imagine that after regulation, uh, Yahoo report from there that Green yelled back and repl- repeatedly called KD a bitch. Quote that ain't unquote. no problem. Huh? Um, that ain't no problem. <laughs> obviously, that probably didn't sit well with Kevin Durant. The game ends, and then Woj and Shams both kind of both came out today almost simultaneously, reporting that feelings escalate in the locker room. Apparently, there was more yelling, more teammates stepped up, and were actually calling Dre out, not necessarily for that play as much as just being so defensive and uh, not being apologetic and basically being out of line the whole time uh, after KD. They call him out. And then apparently the biggest thing, I think, of all this is is Draymond was questioning KD's upcoming free agency. So that's something that's really waving heavily on the organization, on KD. Uh, Tonight, Warriors suspended. Draymond without pay for the game against the Hawks that I think they're currently playing right now.
4: Yep. Hey, let me let me <laughs> add two like things to mess. what happened in that altercation that you don't have in here. Is that okay? Yeah. yeah number yeah. one, I don't know if That's it's, all I, got. I Number one, I don't know if it's true or not, but I saw somebody tweeted that um, at one point it got heated enough to where Draymond uh, they lost to the Clippers and Draymond said, "Are you so? Are you going to go to the Clippers next summer then?"
2: Oh. Yeah,
5: Draymond's been worrying yeah.
4: about hey, Katie's free agency ever since the Western Conference Finals in 2016. <laughs> yep. And then yeah. also there's a there's a video on Twitter now uh, where the Warriors are walking back out onto the court uh, at the start of overtime, and you see Kevin Durant mouth what looks like, "Man, this is why I'm out of here." I wow. I, was saying, I didn't see either of those. I saw, saw him that. mouth, wow. I just, "I'm just trying to win a game," and then.
5: And then Boogie went over to Dre and was like, "Hey, check yourself, get your head in the game, like Troy from, you know,
6: Boogie playing peacemaker." Yeah, right. Favorite thing of that, but yeah,
5: yeah. I
1: think I think the mouth, the mouthing of the "This is why I'm out" or whatever was really him probably saying something along the lines of "Come on, kick that shit out" or something like "Kick the ball out" instead of driving the lane and playing superhero ball or this but, is why you got to
6: kick it out or right yeah. it,
1: it, it, but that's but yeah. that's the I'm, media, not a, I'm not a professional
4: uh, it, lip reader it,
1: it, it, he'd set, he'd set the drama but yeah there there was there was all the reports of, of that's what his lips were saying whenever he mouthed that but i i don't know if i buy that one
6: I hey mean, katie's but, brother commented on instagram okay. remember a couple weeks ago yeah, saying let's tell get Tony this get Grant this money get up out of here
4: Tony Durant played summer ball for Oklahoma City, and he's garbage. They just let him play summer ball because he's Kevin's brother. <laughs> but the,
5: the, 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 bottom, I love that. the bottom line here, there are two. I guess you, there, there's a, there's a two, two bottom lines here. I guess you want to say. Uh, first one is was Draymond Green wrong for calling Kevin Durant a bitch?
1: No, nope. no, nope. And nope.
5: secondly, <laughs> bang bang. Secondly, I mean, the other bottom line is like. Draymond Green and Kevin Durant, we all thought Kevin Durant would be the first to leave or we all, I thought it would be Clay, but Clay doesn't seem to be out, but it looks like there is trouble in paradise and has nothing to do with Boogie. And so yep. is this the beginning of the end of the Warriors? It's quite possible.
2: Yep. I think I think KD, you know, I think uh, uh, this has been reported a lot, but you know, he's looking elsewhere. It's amazing to me that he, you know, you go to this kind of cush situation with the Warriors where you're just going to rake in titles and he can still find a way to like be unhappy and have his ego get hurt to, to an extent that something like last night happens. But also I was reading an article today talking about, you know, Draymond Green's fit on the team. He's always kind of been the outlier uh, compared to the rest of the guys. You think about the personalities of Steph and Clay and, there's kind of this, uh, you know, happy-go-lucky, uh, everything's great, we all get along personality, and then there's Draymond Green, and yep. so I think that's probably where some of the frustrations came in, um, where they were calling Dray out for being so defensive. Is you know he's not he's not of that same personality. He doesn't necessarily fit that kind of stereotypical Warriors mold uh, that guys like Steph or Clay do.
4: For sure, he's the one that kind of like keeps the edge and like the the. Almost the grittiness and the nastiness of that team, which
2: they need that at times. Yeah. they do yeah, absolutely. You know? Especially
4: Draymond with Clay, and Steph, yeah.
5: Draymond Green's a useful Kendrick Perkins. I mean, he. That's a great comparison. <laughs> like <laughs> he... that low key, <laughs> that that's all. That's perfect. He, yeah. He gets the majority of the assists on the team because they run a lot of the offense through Dre, which people don't realize. Like he out assists yep. Steph almost every single night. He's setting which all I those illegal Nothing
6: to do with Stephen Adams. Yeah. Sorry. He's setting those illegal <laughs>
5: screens uh, that the refs for some reason don't call, which I'm this is why I'm curious what's going to happen. make a good fullback. What, what's what I'm curious oh what my hap- gosh, what's going to happen yeah. when Boogie comes back for but for Golden State. But I mean, he has the edge and he's like the guy that like, that is getting in their face and he's the guy holding people accountable and like that he is like it's weird to say he is the alpha on that team, but he's the one that makes the team successful like it's no coincidence that you take out David Lee, who was out of the league so fast after the, the Warriors stint, to now that like you insert Draymond Green and he's the one that makes the offense work. He's the one that can guard really two through five if he has to, uh, definitely three through five, and you know it's it's he's the one that makes a team work. So like if Draymond Green goes out, that team is screwed. Like it, it's 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 going to be a whole new team. Yeah, so. he,
4: he he definitely feels like the catalyst for sure. Also though, I think it's funny that you know, Draymond was, like, questioning KD about, like, free agency when Draymond's already said, like, he wants a, the max deal he whenever max, he's up yeah. for the free agency. And there's right. going to be some nasty contract disputes whenever he's a free agent. I can already guarantee yep. that. Him and the yep. Warriors. Um, he's he he's got the championships now, and he feels rightfully so probably like what Kamiar just said. He's kind of the engine that keeps everything running. Uh, he, he does all the ugly work for the team. And, and he I, took a pay I, cut his I, first deal or his yeah, first extension and so i think yep. he's gonna he's gonna say like i did all this stuff i helped bring all these titles i want my payday yep and and i think maybe even more than kevin durant the the draymond green saga that's going to unfold with his free agency might be the unraveling of that dynasty
6: and i don't think that one-on-one deal like katie signed this this past summer another one-on-one deal i don't think that set very well with a lot of that team it was almost like okay you're using us. You're going to get another ring, and you're going to bounce and be out of here. Uh, hey, so yeah, they, they brought
4: that on, on, on themselves, man. They were the ones that yep. wanted him. They were the ones that did everything. <laughs> exactly. You know, So, like, miss me with that bullshit.
1: Yep. Yeah, I think a lot of people are saying they think this could be, like, the first thread of the unraveling of the Warriors. But on the other hand, this could also be – the thread that makes the Warriors end up trading Draymond and somehow, some way getting something stupid like Anthony Davis back and getting even better than they already
6: are. <laughs> <Dude. laughs> that would be wild.
4: I would quit the so NBA wild. if that happened. Like I would seriously yeah. like boycott not watch anymore if they got Anthony Davis. Oh yeah, I I agree completely. Draymond for Giannis. God. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
6: I don't think that, I don't think either one of them would like that yeah
2: anything else I'd like to see
6: Draymond and Young together last thing yeah that would be wild Uh, one last thing that I have here that was wild and I think Nick mentioned it on his post game pod he said prayers out to Karius LeVert as you guys probably have seen he had a Super gross injury that was being compared to the likes of Gordon Hayward and Paul George's injuries in the past. Uh, obviously, Gordon's was most recent last season. Karras had a really nasty fall last night uh, when they were playing the Timberwolves. He landed had awkward on his ankle, and it basically looked like he snapped it in half. I mean, it was really bad. Everybody was super uh, down about it because Karras has been playing so well. He's overcome so much adversity with all his foot injuries out of uh, – of uh, goodness, that's my blank – um, Michigan, Michigan. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. And uh, you know he he overcame that. I don't even think he was able to participate in training camp when he was a rookie. And then he comes out. He's improved so much. Like Nick mentioned, he was a most improved player candidate. And, you know, it basically looked like his, his season was over and possibly even his career. Um, but we got really good news today. It was just an ankle dislocation. Um, basically, they said the Brooklyn Nets came out and said that he will rehab. There's no surgery required. And once he completes his rehab, he's expected to return to the team. And the crazy part is without any restrict- restrictions. So that's huge news uh, that, yeah. that came up today. Happy, I'm happy for him because well. Yeah. That's wild. Yep. He's he's a really good dude too and everybody talks about how high character he is and um so that's yeah it's it is wild that the human body can even do that and not yeah. have to have surgery or without breaking a bone i mean it's, just,
4: it's nice to wild. be a professional athlete with crazy genes and a crazy body Depends crazy doctors. genes yeah, yeah. like the, Ro- this, Russell westbrook always was crazy genes new jeans. religion genes new religion i like <laughs> old religion <laughs>
1: yeah. i'm i'm glad that he's that Catholic he's going to be okay buddy. I'm glad he's going to be okay, but I don't even know the point of him coming back. They're going to be one of the bottom be beaters bad. by that point, anyways. Might as well let him fully recover and tank even harder. #Hashtag Tank for Zion.
4: Yeah, <laughs> dude, Zion's stupid. We're going to have to That's, have like a
6: college basketball pod soon. Nobody, nobody we talk Duke.
5: Literally, Zion is pretty. He's stupid. He can go to Duke play school.
6: Yeah,
4: he <laughs> came to play basketball, <laughs> not school. All right, before we get out of here, uh, Thunder have. Three games between now and the next time we podcast. That would be Knicks tomorrow night, Phoenix Suns Saturday night, at Sacramento Kings next Monday night. Nick, your prediction. What are they going to go?
1: We are going to go
2: three and zero.
4: Three and zero. Okay, Justin, what are you going with?
2: Two and one.
6: Kings gonna King.
4: Oh my. King gonna Kings. Taylor, what are you going with?
6: I'm going to go ahead and say 3 0 also. All right. Especially if Russ comes back for that Monday game.
5: Comiar? Oklahoma City will win the Knicks game, and then they will drop the next two 1 and 2.
4: Oh, God. I'm going 3 0. No. Oh. I'm going 3 0. No. I think Russ will be back. If not tomorrow night against the Knicks, uh, they have two nights off until they play Phoenix. I think he may be back for that one. Injury updates have suggested that he hasn't even started, like participating with team he's just been doing Full his contact. own activities yeah but i i also he says he's ramping up a lot but yeah it said he hadn't played played five on five yet but i don't know how much they've practiced with only one day in between games yep. so he he's not... also
1: russell westbrook yep sure. right. okay
4: You're let's right. let's get out of here thank you guys for checking out the podcast we appreciate you uh we're also dropping i was gonna say daily not daily but like every other day podcast for the post game so make sure you're checking those out they're quick 15 to 20 minute podcasts that give you a recap of the game and some thoughts uh perfect for the drive to or from work lunch hour whatever um the thunder like we just said have the knicks tomorrow night phoenix on saturday and then the kings on monday we will podcast for you guys again before thanksgiving that way instead of having to listen to your uncle after he's had too many beers at thanksgiving talk about donald trump you can listen to our podcast I don't know if that's going to be any better than your drunk uncle talking about Donald Trump. We, we but could always just talk about the
5: Sam's beating the Cowboys again for like the 90th year in a row. So there's that. Oh, <laughs> yeah.
4: Sorry, the, uh, the the bumper music ended before I, I could finish. Uh, make sure you subscribe to the podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts at. If you could leave us a five-star rating on iTunes, uh, that would be awesome. We would really appreciate that Th- those ratings keep going up we keep getting more and more we really appreciate you guys also if you don't already follow us on twitter at the underscore uncontested all these guys are on twitter as well call me are is at BoomtownRW. rw no, it's me taylor is at taylor underscore p15 nick is at two cranes how about J- them cowboys <laughs> justin <laughs> yeah. is at okc tracker I am at Thunder Mob 405. Hey, maybe for Thanksgiving week, we'll uh we'll give away some some turkeys. Not turkeys. We're gonna box up some leftovers and mail them to you guys. No, uh, we uh, we'll give away some Thunder City gear. Some Ooh, some city uniform yeah. gear. So we'll make that happen as well. So be on the lookout for that. Um, any parting thoughts before we get out of here, guys? Mm, boomer center, thunder up.
6: Thunder up.
4: Alright, thunder up. See
5: you
0: guys.